dismissed. It's like we got them trained as robots. They just hear that music and they just bolt, you know, they just know. <clears throat> so this mic on, is it good? <clears throat> so when I, think, um, when I think about the Bible, when I think about uh, our Christian faith, I think about our culture, I think about the world that we live in as Christians, and I think about um, our generation, and I think about our church, Huntington First Baptist. I, I had this question that haunts me, and uh, it's this question. What are our blind spots? What are our blind spots? If you look at uh, the churches during the age of, of slavery in the United States, or the churches uh, in Germany during the Jewish Holocaust, or if you look at uh, the early church like we did last week, and their refusal to share the gospel with people that weren't like them, people that weren't Jews, uh, you, we can clearly see they had some blind spots. And what I mean by blind spot is this, is that it's an area of, of godly living that uh, Scripture clearly talks about that doesn't match up with our life, right? And it's something that we can't see for whatever reason. Um, we ignore it. We don't obey Scripture in that area. So during, during the 1800s, many Christians uh, had this blind spot of thinking that someone with a different color skin was somehow lesser than them. During, during World War II, uh, many German Christians had this blind spot that somebody, because their heritage was Jewish, somehow they were lesser, with, lesser than them, and they needed to be exterminated. Uh, the early church, they had this blind spot that because they weren't Jewish, they didn't deserve the gospel. And only Jesus, Jesus only came for Jews. He didn't come for everybody. And we look back on some of those and go, how could they miss it? Like, how, how could they believe that when Scripture so clearly <laughs> doesn't teach that? And we, we can so see it in hindsight, right? We can see clearly, but what they couldn't see clearly in their time. And so this question haunts me, right? Because I don't think we're probably that much different. I think we probably have blind spots. We have areas uh, where our lives individually, areas where our church doesn't match up with what God's Word says. And, and what is it? What is it that in many years people will look back on our church or our, our, this generation of Christians and say, man, they really missed that. They really, they just didn't see it. Like, how could they not see that? Why did they think that that was... Okay, and I'm not talking about racism today. All those, all three examples are about racism. But that, that question haunts me, right? And if, and if we could see our blind spots, they wouldn't be blind spots, right? But how do we, how do we limit them? How do, we, how do we limit our life not matching up with Scripture? Well, it's this. We study the whole thing. We, we preach and teach and study the whole Bible. And then when our life doesn't match up with that, we change it, right? That's what it means to be a Christian, right? That we don't ignore the truth of God's word when it's spoken. If we truly have faith, what does faith exhibit itself in? It works, right? If we truly have faith, then we'll be obedient to what God's word says, right? Um, and as I thought more about this, and I look at our culture, and, and specifically it was one lesson in this uh, Experiencing God devotional, and it, he, Blackaby said something like this. He said, um, we are so busy doing good things that we can't see what God is doing around us. We're so busy doing good things that we don't even see the God things around us. Man, and that, boom, that, I heard that. I thought, man, if anything described our culture, if anything described our culture well, what is our idol? Our idol is busyness. Our idol is filling our schedule to the max. And we're so consumed with those things we can't even see 
the God thing. So I think, I mean, we could talk about a lot of blind spots, but I think one that we need to talk about today is Sabbath or Sabbath rest. Sabbath. And, and I stand up here today and I, I, don't, I don't preach as a man who really has all this together, okay? So I, I think I preach this message because I think we struggle with that. Maddie and I struggle with actually resting, actually taking a day and resting. And so what I want to do today is this. I want to look at, uh, I want to look at the Old Testament. Glenn Frank is going to get on me because I'm going to preach from the whole Bible. I'm not going to preach the whole Bible, but I'm going to preach from the whole Bible. Uh, we're going to look at the Old Testament. What does the Old Testament have to say about the Sabbath? And then what does Jesus have to do with it? What does the New Testament say? Does it change? Is it different? Is it, is it something more? Is it something less? And then talk about a little bit of the practical side of it. So... That's the plan for today. And I, I know many of us probably in here carry some baggage. When I, when I say the term Sabbath, you have some understanding. Some of you may not, may have never heard the term. The term just means to stop, to cease, to rest, right? But some of us, what it meant was that on Sundays we couldn't go to a friend's house. Anybody in here? Raise your hand. If on a Sunday you couldn't go to somebody else's house, it meant that you couldn't go shopping, right? Because nothing was open. Everything was closed. Or uh, a Sabbath meant that... Uh, we can't go out to eat because there's no restaurants open, right? That's what Sabbath means to some of us. Uh, you know, the, the idea, I think, as a kid, this is what I felt like it was. I don't think my dad ever said this was, no, you can't do that. Sit there and think holy thoughts, you know, right? Like, no, quit, quit being active. Just sit there, rest. Um, and I don't think that was ever communicated to me like that. But I think that's maybe what we carry into it. But I want you to, I want you to see today that that's... That's not the picture of Sabbath. That's not the picture of rest in, in the Bible. So we're going to start in Genesis, start in the beginning, and we're literally just going to work our way through and see what the Bible has to say about it. For this purpose, right? That if the Bible teaches it, if God's Word says it, that we would obey it, right? That we would immediately obey it, and we would seek to get rid of areas of our life that don't match up with Scripture. So let's start in Genesis chapter 1, uh, verse 31. So God, we've, we've sung about it this morning, that his breath is in our lungs, and it says in the beginning that he created the world. He spoke it into existence. Literally, he breathed it into existence. And after the six days of working, we get to this point. It says, and God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. Verse 2. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. Verse 3, so God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. He set it apart. He made it unique. Because on it, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. So we come to this point, we, we sing this song this morning, Great Are You, Lord. You know, he, we believe that He's all-powerful. We believe that He's all-knowing, and He's everywhere at once. So we come to this point, and we're like, why is God resting? If He really is all-powerful, why does He need to rest? Well, the truth is, is that He doesn't. The truth is, is that He doesn't, but He did. That's what we know. And so what, what He's doing is this. Is he's modeling as a father, as a good, good father, who's perfect in all of His ways to us, right? He's modeling for us. As, as Christians, as, as humans who are created in his image, what we're to do. Because the Father rested, that's what we're to do. And so this, this Sabbath day was set apart for two reasons. It was set apart for rest. It meant that they couldn't do any work. They were to just stay at home. But it was also set apart for enjoyment. 
for enjoying God and enjoying his creation. Uh, Tim Keller says it this way, God rested from his work, and we rest in order to honor the image of God in us and to remind ourselves that there is more to us than our work. I love that last part, to remind ourselves that there is more to us than our work. Another author says it this way. Uh, he talks about this, the seventh day is meant to be this Father's Day. And he says, uh, since his father, talking about Adam, worked creatively for six days and rested on the seventh, Adam, like a son, was to copy him. If we're made in the image of God, we, we look like God on this earth. Together on the seventh day, they were to walk in the garden. And that day was a time to listen to all that the Father had to show and tell about the wonders of his creating work. Here it is. Thus, the Sabbath day was meant to be a Father's Day every week. It was made for Adam. And so we see from the very beginning, God set it up. He rested. We're to look like him, and so we're to rest on the seventh day. So it's more than that, though. Let's look, flip to Exodus chapter 20. Exodus chapter 20. This is, uh, for you Bible scholars, the, the giving of the Ten Commandments. The first time that God gave the law. Exodus 20, verses 9 and 10. So instead of it just being this picture, okay, here, I've done it for you, now you do it. He said, no, I'm going to command you to do it. Verse 9, six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. Um, Verse 11, we keep reading, I don't think it's up here. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day, and he made it holy. So the original, the original picture was this, is that God did it, and so we were to emulate him, right? But then he comes and he has to command it, right? But this command is not, uh, it's not just a rule put, it, put in place like, no, you can't go to a friend's house. No, you can't go out to eat. He says that he blessed the Sabbath. He made it, um, for those who would obey it, it was a blessing. It was something good for them. It was something that they needed to do. Um, And the second giving of the law, Deuteronomy 5, if you'll flip there, it's kind of like Bible drill this morning. Deuteronomy 5, verse uh, 12 through 15. So what what we've seen so far is this. God did it, so we should do it. He also commands it because it's good for us. And then here he's going to say, he's going to connect some more to it. Deuteronomy 5, verses 12 through 15. He's going to repeat what he commanded, and then he's going to add something to the end. It says, Observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy, as the Lord your God commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your ox or your donkey or any of your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates that your male servant and your female servant may rest as well as you. Here it is. Here's what I want you to see. Verse 15. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt. And the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. Now, why would he say that? 
He's saying, you were a slave in Egypt, so now you must keep the Sabbath day. Like, what? Why? Why that? Why would he commit? That doesn't, like, if you first read that, you're like, why? That doesn't seem to connect to me. But what he's saying is this. Think about it like this. Slaves don't keep the Sabbath day, right? Slaves do what their master tells them to do, no matter what, right? They don't, they don't get a day off. They, they have to do what their master tells them to do all the time. So slaves don't take a day off. So, so he's saying this. saying keeping the Sabbath after they come out of Egypt is this reminder that God has brought us out of slavery. So every week when we take a day off, we remember, you know what? We used to be slaves. We used to work on this day. But today we take a day off. So it's, it's not just your body needs it. It's not just this physical rest that's good for your brain and good for your recuperation. It all of a sudden becomes this very spiritual thing, right? It's this rem- weekly reminder of who we are. It's this weekly reminder that we're no longer slaves. Now, we've come out of that. And so we see that, this, that the Sabbath is not just this physical thing. He's starting to add to it. This is how Tim Keller says it. So God ties the Sabbath to freedom from slavery. Anyone who overworks is really a slave. You hear that? <laughs> Anyone who overworks is really a slave. Anyone who cannot rest from work is a slave. A slave to a need for success. A slave to a materialistic culture. A slave to exploitative employers. A slave to parental expectations or to all of the above. And these slave masters will abuse you if you are not disciplined in the practice of Sabbath rest. Here it is. Sabbath is a declaration of freedom. Sabbath, this weekly occurrence where we stop from our work, is this declaration that I'm no longer a slave. I can rest from my work because ultimately God has done work for me. So he goes on in Deuteronomy 15. Deuteronomy 15, verse 15. And we, we won't read all of the verses that follow it. But he gives them some more commands. And he connects a bunch of these commands together. And I want you to see something here. Deuteronomy 15, 15. He says, You shall remember, you shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt. And the Lord your God redeemed you. Therefore, I command you this today. And he goes on right here, and he gives them commands to this. He gives them commands to rest on the seventh day. He gives them a command to rest, uh, sorry, to release slaves in the seventh year. That after every six years rolled around, the seventh year, every slave went free. Uh, He gives them commands to rest their land in the seventh year. That the seventh year rolls around, you don't plant any crops on that land. Uh, The seventh year, you forgive debts. All debts were forgiven. Uh, he also commands them to give the firstborn of their animals to God, to give the first fruits of their crops to God, and to give a tenth of their income to God as a tithe. Now, what, why does he connect all of these together? Is he just this needy God who needs all this stuff, and so he set up the system that he would get all this stuff? Well, no, not at all. Ultimately, keeping the Sabbath is in line with for them, for we don't, I mean, we don't, I'm not commanding you today to release your slaves and forgive your debt, so that's, that's gone. But ultimately what it's saying is this, God, I trust you to provide. Like that's, what, that's what keeping the Sabbath and giving up your seventh 
uh, year and, and doing all of these things, ultimately giving that to God, giving a tithe, all of these obedience are saying this, God, I trust you to provide for me. I trust you to provide. I don't, I don't need that extra day. I could use it. We could all, there's always work to do, right? But ultimately, when we keep the Sabbath, when we tithe our money, when we do all of these things in obedience to God, we're saying this. We say, I trust you, God. Like, I, I could try to get ahead. I could work this extra day. But really, the Sabbath is about saying, I trust you. And so how good is God that he gives us this weekly reminder of that, right? This weekly reminder of our, our declaration of freedom. We're no longer slaves, but we're free. And this weekly reminder of, you know what? I could work today. I could get ahead. But I'm giving it to you, God, because I know that ultimately everything comes from your hand. How good is God that he would give us that, right? Like, why would we rail against the Sabbath? Why would we rail against the day off? Why would we say, no, that's, that's too much. I can't give that up. John Piper says it this way, what God can do through our day of rest is so much greater than we could do by having another day to work. And so what we're beginning to see in the Old Testament is this, right, is that Sabbath is much more than just this physical day of rest. It's not just this physical reality where we take a nap, veg out, and watch Netflix, right? That's not what the Sabbath was meant for. There was something greater than that. It includes that. But there's something spiritual and, and godly and God-focused about it. That it, It's a reminder of our salvation. It's a reminder of our trust in God to provide for us. When we overwork, when we don't obey the Sabbath, when we don't take a day off, what we're saying is this. So I've got to have the money. I've got to have the status. I've got to have this certain reputation. And so I've got to work to provide it. If we're, gonna, if we're actually going to keep the Sabbath, we have to be content in our relationship with God. We have to be content in our relationship with Him. And only then will, will we be able to regularly walk away from work. And so the purpose of Sabbath is this. We've said it a lot, but let's repeat it. It's to enjoy God. It's to enjoy the relationship that we have with Him. And it's to enjoy His creation. Just like the Father's Day with Adam and, the, and, and God in the garden, right? to enjoy his creation, and it's to rest. It's to recover. Um, let's read more in Psalm 95. Psalm 95, verses 7 through 11. So, Scripture talks about the blessing of Sabbath, right? It's this, it's this reminder. It's, there's, there's blessing in, in obedience, but it also talks about the consequences of disobedience. And so that's what we're going to read about here. Psalm 95, verse 7 through 11. It says, for he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as at Meribah, as on the day at Massah in the wilderness, when your fathers put me to the test and put me to the proof, though they had seen my work. He's saying this, don't be like your fathers who rejected me. There was this time where they, they didn't want to go into the promised land. They didn't want to go enter into God's rest. And they rejected God. They said, no, we're going to choose our own way. They were disobedient. And so they don't enter his rest. Verse 10. For 40 years, I loathed, I hated that generation and said, they are a people who go astray in their hearts and they have not known my ways. Verse 11. Therefore, I swore in my wrath that they shall not enter my rest. You see the disobedience? The disobedience towards God leads to this lack of rest. They don't get to enter the promised land. That generation dies out over 40 years. So what we learn from this is this, and, and this is all over Scripture, 
But disobedience to God is not what is best for us. That sounds so simple, but it's so profound. Disobedience to God is not what is best for us. Right? If we believe that God created the world and he ordered it a certain way and he said, this is how it works best. If we walk in that, that's what's best for us. That's where life is found, is in obedience to God. And I think that includes the Sabbath. I think that includes the Sabbath, that we take this day every week to not only have that physical rest of of taking a nap, but to enjoy that deep spiritual rest. Uh, Let's flip a little further along. Isaiah 58. Isaiah 58, verse 13 and 14. Isaiah 58, verse 13 and 14. He says, if you turn your back, if you turn back your foot from the Sabbath, from doing your pleasure on my holy day, and you call the Sabbath a delight, and the holy day of the Lord honorable, if you honor it, not going your own ways, or seeking your own pleasure, or talking idly, then you shall take delight in the Lord, and I will make you ride on the heights of the earth. I will feed you with the heritage of Jacob your father, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. So he's saying this, he's saying, if, if you actually honor the Sabbath, if you actually take a day, and not just, not just focus on, okay, this is my day off, I'm going to go play golf, I'm going I'm to veg out on Sports Center. I'm going to eat good food, but you spend no time in thinking about God. Spend no time in, in directing your heart to remembering that you once were a slave, but now are free. And remembering that God is the one that provides for you. He's saying if you don't do that, it's, got, it's not going to be worth anything. You see, a lot of people ask, and, and you may be asking this right now, okay, so Byron, are you going to give me like this, this, I can do this, but I can't do that. I can do this, but I can't do that on the Sabbath. But that's not really what the, the Scripture is teaching us. It's not about what we can't do. It's about what we get to do. The Sabbath is not about what we can't do. It's about what we get to do. It's, it's not bad news. It's good news. No, it's Sabbath today. We get to rest. We get to rest in what God has done for us, and we get to physically rest. And, and those, those, those physical things are good, the hobbies, the, the rest, the naps. I mean, I, I can't wait to take a nap today, right? Those are all great things, but they're a very distant second to the spiritual reality. Uh, it's kind of like this. Uh, if you know anything about sleep, if you've ever studied sleep in the brain, it's pretty mind-blowing stuff that we literally go unconscious and then we continue to wake up day after day. Um, but there's, there's this cycle of sleep, right? You kind of, you're in a light sleep and then you go into this deep, what they call REM sleep, rapid eye movement, and then you come out and back in and back out and back in. And, and if you're not sleeping well, then what's happening is you're never getting into the deep sleep, right? You're just staying in this like light kind of sleep. Now, I if, if, if you're interested and this is your sort of thing, I have some really big tonsils right now. Um, some of you are going to come up and ask to look at them, and some of you are not. And that's okay. I don't really want to show you, but if you're interested, I'll show you. <clears throat> and what happens during allergy season is my nose is completely clogged, and so I can't breathe at night. So I have a mild form of what they call sleep apnea. And all I do is I stay in this little, I wake myself up because I can't breathe at night. And I'm sure Maddie doesn't sleep either, but... Um, I stay in this really light level of sleep. I never really get to the, the deep levels of sleep. 
And so what happens is I wake up tired, I wake up grumpy, and, and really, to be honest, in the afternoon I start to fade because I just don't have energy. My body is not rested. My body is not functioning the way it should. And I think that's what he's talking about here in this passage, that if we just focus, if we just take the Sabbath and we focus on watching the cowboys and eating good food and taking a nap, we're settling for this light level of sleep. We're settling for the surface level where we're just kind of restless. Yes, there's physical rest. But if we don't take the Sabbath to focus on the Lord, to remember that we once were a slave, but now we're free, to remember that God is the one who provided everything for us, if we don't do that, then we're not getting to that deep level of sleep. And we're really not resting in the Lord. Um, many people look at this command. A lot of people look at all of the commands of the Old Testament. And they say, man, that's so, that's so restricting. That's, so, that's like a straitjacket. There's no freedom in that command. There's no, there's no ability for me to just live. It's just one more thing I have to do. It's just one more obligation. It just limits how much I can produce. But I tell you what, a Christian, someone who really understands what God has done for them, doesn't look at the Sabbath that way, right? We don't look at the Sabbath that way. We long for the Sabbath, right? We long for the day where we can step back and remember, God, you have done so much for me. God, you have saved me. It's a weekly date with our Father. It's a weekly day where we just get to spend time with God. And we need that. The Christian longs for that. It's not bad news. It's good news. So that's kind of what the Old Testament has to say. There's other passages, but those are the big ones. So let's, let's go on to the New Testament. <clears throat> it's, not a, it's not as addressed as much. I'll be honest with you. It's, it's not there a lot. Um, so let's flip to Matthew 11. Verse 28 through 30. And this is, this is what we're going to see. Just like everything in the Old Testament, it was a picture of what was to come in Jesus. And so the Sabbath rest, rest, rest was this picture that, that Jesus was going to be our rest one day. That one day we wouldn't have to work to attain salvation. Right? That we could rest from our working and He would be the fulfillment of that. But the, the thing, other thing we're going to learn is Jesus doesn't abolish the physical reality just because he is the spiritual reality. So um, the Pharisees in the New Testament had put a lot of rules. They put a lot of structure around, okay, this is what you can do on the Sabbath. You can walk this far, but any further, and you're breaking the Sabbath. You can't eat this, but you can't eat that. You can talk to this person, but you can't talk to that person. You can carry this much weight, but not anymore. And they put all of these rules and boundaries on it, right? And they had made it so much about what you can't do. And what they had done was heaped burdens on people. They had added to God's word, to his commands. Commands that were meant to lead them to life. And so at one point in their... In their well, let me read this, Matthew 11, verse 28 through 30. Jesus knows what the Pharisees have done, and he says this in verse 28. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Jesus knew this, is that they, 
because of the Pharisees, because of their religious ways. They had, they had tried so hard to earn the favor of God. They had tried so hard to work their way into right relationship with him. And he knew that all those things were, they weren't helping them. They were just burdens that they had put on them. And he says, come to me, all of you who, who are working and are loaded down with burdens, and I will give you rest. So he's starting to point us to the, the fact that true rest, true rest is only found in Jesus Another point in the New Testament, uh, the Pharisees are trying to catch Jesus in a trap, right? They're trying to uh, catch him in a sin, trying to show him, uh, that, show the people that he's not, he's not it, right? What, what he's saying isn't true. So they're trying to find a, a flaw in him, trying to find this flaw. And so they come, we come to Mark 2. And in Mark 2, uh, Jesus' disciples were breaking one of the silly rules of the Sabbath, right? The, you couldn't eat this, or you couldn't eat that, or you couldn't walk this far. And Jesus says this in Mark 2. He says, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. And then verse 28. So the Son of Man, so Jesus, so me, is Lord even of the Sabbath. The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. And so by saying that, Jesus was, was saying this. That Sabbath wasn't given... So we could put all these rules around it and say, you can't do this, can't do that, can't do this, right? Sabbath was given so that they would actually have rest. And that, and that was the physical reality. But he's saying there's even more. There's an ultimate spiritual reality that's to come that I'm going to be the one who gives you rest. I'm Lord of the Sabbath and I know what you need. Jesus came to relieve us of our works, Right? He came to show us that our works were never going to be enough and that no matter how much we worked, even if we worked that seventh day, it wouldn't be enough to get us in right relationship with God. And so what do we do now? We rest for a week. We rest for a day per week. And it's, it's this reminder to us. It's this weekly gift from God to remind ourselves that our ultimate rest is not found in a nap. It's not found in a, in a less stressful job. Our ultimate rest is not found in, in vacations and in moving to another country for a month. Our, vaca- our ultimate rest is found in a deep and abiding knowledge that we have relationship with God through Christ. That's where we'll actually find rest. And what we learn from the Pharisees is this, is that they missed the physical reality. They missed the purpose of Sabbath on, on the ground level. And so we know that they missed it on the spiritual level between them and God. So here's what I know and I think is true. For those of us in the room who understand how, how great the love of the Father is for us, who understand that Christ died in our place and he offers us relationship with God, for those who get the spiritual reality that, we, that it's not based on our works anymore, then we'll do the physical reality. That's no problem, right? We get this weekly reminder, but if we don't get the, phys- if we don't get the spiritual reality, resting, taking naps, whatever won't ever show you your ultimate spiritual need. One more, one more verse of Scripture, and then we'll move on to some of the practicals of it. Hebrews 4. And to be honest, this is probably the one passage I should have preached. Um, it's a little over my head at points, so I invite you to study it this week. And um, Hebrews 4, we're going to focus on verses 9 through 11. He's talking about 
the fact that Jesus has, has died in our place and his sacrifice was good once for all. We don't have to work for our salvation any longer. And he comes to verse 9 and he says this, So then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. You hear that? Whoever, is, whoever has entered God's rest, whoever, whoever understands the spiritual reality that we're in relationship with God through Christ, he has also rested from his works. He also does the physical reality. Verse 11. So let us therefore strive. Let's work hard to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. It's funny that he says, let's work hard at resting. And then it's kind of ironic. He says, let's work hard at it. Let's, let's, let's fight for it. And he's saying this. He's pointing us again to this reality that there is, there is a physical day that we take off, but it's meant to point us to something greater. It's meant to point us to Jesus. And, and, and man, how good is God, right? That he would give us that. How good is he that he would say, take a day off, take a day off. And you need that physically, but you also need that to remind yourselves of who you are in Christ. So let's talk a little bit about the practicals and then we'll be done. Um, it's, a, it's a little bit hard. And to be honest, it's a little daunting for me to try to apply this to every person in here because we've got, we've got all sorts of situations in here. We've got We've got retirees, we've got people who've just started working, we've got children, we've got youth, we've got everything in between. We've got different job situations. Some, some of you work on Sundays, some of you, uh, I mean, it's all over the map. And so I can't go, this is exactly how you need to Sabbath. This is what this means for you in your life. Um, one thing we should remember is this. Uh, Paul talks about it in Romans 14. That there's all, we, we're going to have convictions and we're all going to have different beliefs on how we Sabbath best. And, and we shouldn't judge one another based on that. We should, we should let each one have their convictions and we should be convinced this is what God wants me to do with this. You see, this is all about obedience. As we hear God's word preached, that we should obey it. And so we're all going to obey this differently because we all have different lives and schedules. And so I, I just want to give you a few little practical principles and how that works out in your life is going to be very different. But the first one is this, is unplug. The first one is unplug. Especially in our day and age where, I, don't, I didn't bring my phone up here, but where most of us have some sort of device or multiple devices or we spend, we spend in constant contact. I know youth, I mean, you're constantly on Snapchat and Instagram and texting. And to be honest, parents aren't that different. Um, we are constantly connected. And I think Sabbath... Part of the Sabbath is disconnecting from the world. It's just turning the phone off or leaving it, leaving it in your room. It's disconnecting from constantly checking and seeing if the world's still running while you're not there. <laughs> we need a day where we're not connected to email, to text, to Twitter, to Facebook. We need a day where we unplug. Second is to unwind. Uh, one pastor said it this way. Stop the doing and just be. Stop the doing and just be. And so this is a holy day. And so it's meant for you to have rest. And so you need to rest. You actually do need to take a nap. That is a command from Scripture, right? That's a command I love to obey. (laughs) And so rest, unwind, relax. The third one is enjoy. The third one is enjoy. 
Sabbath was meant to be this day to slow down, but it was meant to be a day that we enjoy God and enjoy his creation. So that's going to look different in each of our lives, but I think for some of you it means you need to take a walk. And not a walk around the gym to burn calories, but a walk for the sake of taking a walk, for the sake of looking at God's creation. Some of you need to eat good food. You need to enjoy the creativeness of God in giving us all of these flavors and different kinds of beef to put on tortillas with guacamole and sour cream, right? Like it's, you're meant to enjoy it and to worship God because of it, not to just say, man, isn't that chef great? But to look at, man, how great is God that he would think of guacamole, you know? <laughs> and fajita meat. You're meant to enjoy it. Uh, some of you, uh, I've heard it said this way, if you work with your hands, you'll Sabbath with your mind. If you work with your hands for a living, you'll Sabbath with your mind. But if you work with your mind, you'll Sabbath with your hands. So I work with my mind some, some days, some days not. Jeannie's shaking her head like, you don't work with your mind. I work with my mind most days. So I have a garden, and I'm not a gardener. But I have a garden so that when I come home every day, I can walk around, look at the vegetables, look at the plants, see how things are going. Um, I have a little workshop on my back porch so that I can go and build stuff. I'm not very good, but I need to work with my hands. I need to rest because all my day is spent up here counseling people, dealing with people. And so I rest with my hands. Some of you may look at that. That's work. That's not fun to me. But for me, that's rest. Some of you work with your hands. So you're going to need to take a book. You're going to need to stop and pray. You're going to need to go on a walk, right? It's going to be different. It's going to be different based on your personality. Some of you are going to want to be with people. If you're an extrovert and that's how you get recharged. Me, I'm like, give me away. Like, let me go be by myself somewhere, right? Because I'm an introvert. It's going to be different based on all of our scenarios. But I think what's important to remember is to balance our enjoyment, okay? So three things. You need God time, you need active time, and you need inactive time on a Sabbath. The Sabbath was meant to be this holy day, right, where we, where we focus on our relationship with God. So we're here, right? We're here, we're worshiping God, we're hearing his word taught, we're praying. There's meant to be God time. So if your Sabbath isn't Sunday, if you, if you rest on another day as well, make sure you focus it on God too. It's not just meant to be physical. So there's God time, there's active time. I think for me, that's, that's my garden, that's my, my woodworking, that's getting out and mowing my lawn. It's, although I know it's not mowed right now, so don't judge me, but I haven't had time to Sabbath recently. But you need active time, but you also need inactive time, right? Time to take a nap, time to, like this, this isn't just, okay, Sabbath, go pray for 24 hours. If you're not doing that, you're not Sabbathing, right? No, God knows that we need time to just take a nap, right? So that's enjoy. But the last one is this, schedule it. And our lives are nuts, most of us. And our lives are all over the place. And what, what I know is true is if we don't put it on our calendar, if we don't make it a priority and hold ourselves to that, it won't happen. Because work will always come up. There will always be more work to do. There will always be somebody to talk to, something to do. And if you do not make it a priority, it will not happen. I think that takes that you, you need others around you to be accountable for Sabbath. You need other people in the same life situation. Now, cause, because for the Stovers with three kids, for, for the rest of you with kids, you, you know this is like, this is an elusive concept, the thought of resting. Like, 
you might get 30 minutes of it where all three kids' naps overlap in a day. And you're thinking, how am I going to take a whole day? I get 30 minutes most of the time. If you're retired, it looks very different. If you're starting a new job, if you're a student, I mean, it's all over the place. It's going to be different for every person. And so you need, you need others around you to, to help brainstorm that. Okay, how can, we, how can we do this better? How can we honor God in obedience by taking a day off? And you need them to hold you accountable to that. All right. I know this has been 90 to nothing, but here's what we've said. The Sabbath is, was made for man, and God gave it to us because he knows it's good for us. It's this declaration of freedom that we're no longer slaves. We're no longer slaves to anything, but we're free. We're free in Christ. But it's more than that. It's also an act of trust. That I, I, I freely give up this day, God, because I trust that you're going to be the one that provides for me. And so I'm, I would rather honor you than try to get ahead on this day. And ultimately it's this. When we Sabbath, when we do it right... We're saying, God, my works are not enough to bring me in relationship with you. I know that. I've tried. I've failed over and over. And I need Jesus more than ever. And that's what the Sabbath is about. Let me pray for us. If you're on the music team, y'all come up. And everyone else, if you could stand. and uh, Let me pray for us to close out. And um, we'll have a time of response. And I think uh, today... I don't know if you've ever heard a sermon on the Sabbath, on the Sabbath. And um, I don't know if you've ever thought about how am I going to practically do this. Some of you just need to be reminded and refreshed today. Some of you just need to pray. Some of you need to pray with someone around you. Some of you need to, whatever it is God calls you to do during this time. But we'll just take a moment, sing a song, and just praise God that he's given us this day, today that he's reminded us of his great salvation, that he loved us so much that he sent his son to die for us. That, man, we rejected him. We, we totally pushed him to the side. We went our own way, but he said, no, I want them so much that I'm going to send my son. I'm going to take the shame on myself. I'm going to take the punishment on myself so that I can have relationship with him. And be reminded of that today. Be reminded of how good God is to do that for you and how great he is. And that's grace on grace on grace. Let me pray for us. God, we love you and we thank you for today, God. A Sabbath, a rest. And I pray that we would rest. I pray that we would experience the physical rest. But more than that, God, point your people to the deep spiritual rest that's found in Jesus and Jesus alone. God, thank you that we don't have to rely on our works. God, they would never be enough. God, that we can rest because we know that you have provided for us. God, you have taken care of that for us. And so we love you and we praise you and we honor you today. And I pray that we would rest in the fact that Jesus is enough for us. We pray all this in your son's name. Amen.